Welcome to Tabletop Treasures, your one-stop shop for everything tabletop. I'm Kieran. I'm Ryan. And we talk about all things tabletop, uh, everything that's coming out from stories that we make, uh, cool ones that we play, and everything else. So for today, we've got a cool thing. We've got a top of the table where we talk about a new tabletop that we've played, or one of us has played at least. Um, so I'm going to talk about Roll Table for Two by, I think it's Fights and Fancy, which is a really cool name for a company, I think. So, um, Ryan, I've told you about this previously. We sort of mentioned it on the last episode. Yeah, yeah we've had a few um, little chats about it. What What do you know off the top of your head? I don't think you've looked up anything about it, so... Uh, no, I've sort of deliberately gone into this blank so that I can get a, the second-hand experience from you. I know that it is, uh, if the name's not obvious enough, a two-player tabletop RPG. So I suppose I don't even know whether you have the same role or whether somebody plays the DM or whether there's like a sort of GM in the dice rolls that you find with some sort of single-player tabletop game. So I'm I'm... Coming in pretty pretty blank, to be honest. Yep. All right. Well, um, I'll give you their tagline and a bit of the description. So, two players, two heroes, two journeys. Take your pencils and dice in Roll Table for Two, the role-playing adventure game for two players. Um, so, me and my partner, Caitlin, played it. Uh, we did the first bit of storytelling and the character creation. We haven't gotten into the first chapter yet. Uh, but from what we've done of it, um, I think it's a strong start. Currently, only the demo is available. Um, so you can get a physical copy of the demo. It's £20 on their website. Um, I thought it was really cute. It comes with two like really nicely printed um, like drawstring bound books, uh, two cute little pencils with eras- erasers and a, uh, a six-sided dice and two character sheets. And it comes like okay. this little package, and you open it. It was really nice, like really good presentation for like a very small, what I imagine is a very small company. Yeah, so already it's more than just a PDF. Like you're actually oh, yeah. getting like, some sort of physical thing. We got to sit yeah. there and read the book. Um, it was really cool. So they, they've got three base classes. Uh, I'm going to get this wrong, uh, but they have mage. Thief and Fighter. Now, Thief might be sure. something else, and Thief may have been one of the subclasses of that thing, but uh, like the, the stealthy person, the magic person, and the hits things hard with big metal person. So you pick those. Yeah, so just standard archetypes. Yeah, you pick those. They have some stat bonuses. Then you pick a subclass, which gives you a few... There's a few different abilities that you can pick with those. Um, I think I, I picked Thief. Um, my partner picked Mage as as she always does. Not a surprise at all, if you know. Oh, no, she does. She, sometimes she does rangery, art, um, elf art, just stuff. But Mage a lot of the time. Um, uh, cannot remember what subclass she went. But for myself, um, I went uh kind of like a smooth talker, distractiony type. Um, which in the game is less about charisma, but uh, it gives you the ability not for yourself. Well, actually, for yourself as well, but for everyone in the party, I could distract someone and let everyone would get like an extra damage on them, sort of thing. Uh, when you're only playing two people, I guess that's your, your partner. But 
Um, as you go through character creation, it's really cool. You pick your stats. Like, what did you do growing up? What did, what is your like? What kind of career did you go? So I went thief. Um, it stops you there, and then you create a background together, which is like, how did you guys meet? Um, do you like? Are you like really close? Are you like? Just sort of like, oh, our town got burned down and we were happened to be running away in the same direction. Like it, it had like five or six different scenarios and they gave you a different team ability. So there's like a, you both attack at the same time, Final Fantasy style team ability, which is, I, I thought was really cool. Uh, they even had fun. one. Yeah. They, they even had a background. It was like uh, spent that one night together sort of thing. And I was like, that's really funny. <laughs> <laughs> I, th I think they knew a lot of couples were going to play this. Yeah, surely there's quite a romantic angle. So um, we we went the uh, running out of town together just because of the the backstories we sort of wrote for each of our characters that sort of worked. Where we, um, Caitlin was an orphan. I um, wanted to be a bard and get out of the city, and then my parents uh, went bankrupt, and then uh, the town like burnt to fire. So, As towns in uh, uh, fantasy settings tend to do. Oh, yeah, they just literally burst into flames. So, honestly, for character creation, um, that was really cool. We, I think, we spent most of the time on that background. Like, well, not Maybe not most, but like a long time. It was really cool. Um, I, I think it would be really cool if uh, even if you've got four or five party members, if other tabletop are playing, had a just a mechanical system that involves the background like that, because I think it'll get players to think about it more. Yeah, I, I like the idea of um, implementing some of these background features as actual mechanics and things that matters. Like, like you said, giving giving you a different sort of party ability or duo ability. Um, that. Uh, some sort of tangible element to that in-game sounds really fun as opposed to some sort of vague thing you may or may not encounter in the story. Well, yeah, that's what I find most of my players. They all have different backgrounds and like I'll try and involve them. But when you have like here is the background of your group, it's so much easier to tie that into the story, I think, as a GM. But this game doesn't have a GM, so uh, that doesn't matter. Okay, Going through. so Sorry, you're telling yeah. me this game doesn't have a GM. It doesn't. Um, I To avoid myself going through uh, much of the story, I've only read uh, the first two pages and I've read like how all the combat works and stuff. Which, uh, combat's pretty stock standard. Um there's a really cool section for the story that I, I haven't read, but because it hasn't happened. Uh, but there's a chapter in the book in case you die. And I'm like, that's, that's cool. I don't want to read that, but I want to read that. <laughs> and I'm like, I only want to exciting little temptation. Yeah. I only want to read it if it happens. Otherwise, like I feel like it'll kind of spoil the adventure going through um 
But as, as for the main game, um, it's it's pretty on rails um, from a story perspective. But at the same time, you make a lot of choices um, as you're going through. From what I can tell, you're writing a lot of the story. So you're coming up with a lot of the reasons of why things happen. So while it is on rails of what's happening throughout the book, and you're doing fights, you're making decisions, it also, the reasons and the ways things happen, you can sort of generate. So like you could play the same book twice from what I understand and have a very different time. Right. So at first I was getting a sort of choose your own adventure vibe, but it also feels like it has elements of uh, being a story generation tool. Yeah, kind of from what I can tell. Um, now the demo that I've got for 20 pounds only comes with the first chapter of their story. So when we finish this, uh, that's going to be it. And we'll be left on some cliffhanger, I imagine. And then we'll, we'll have to wait. Of course, desperately wanting more, desperately wanting to buy the full version, I assume. Well, hopefully. Like, I, I really like what we've done so far. I, I can't speak for, like, if two bros want to sit down and play this, but for, like, playing it with your partner, I think it's even just making the characters and doing that first bit was just so... Um, it was so cooperative and so fun, which right. I think so you don't activity. get... Yeah, I don't think you get if you play normal tabletop with like, you might be playing with your partner and two other people, but you don't get that like intimate like, well, how, how like it's specifically all about our two characters. Yeah, so the relationship is important to the story itself. Yeah, exactly. So like, that's the other trope that I feel a lot of TTRPGs get into. Like, why are these four people traveling together? Ah, we won't question that. We'll just keep going. Because you are now go on the quest. Yeah. When can I hit stuff? <laughs> so so what is, is the what is the core gameplay loop here? How does it play without a without a game master? Is it just choose your own adventure or is there like how does how does combat work without somebody controlling presumably the monsters if there are monsters? Uh so the monsters are whoever's doing you essentially roll for the monsters as well. Um they have essentially the same as you so you have ability points they have ability points they do things that cost ability points you do things that cost ability points um you take it in turns and last one standing wins okay what i like okay. about it is because it's just you two and you, you you're gonna keep it honest between both of you because otherwise it's not fun like if you cheat the system I think you're only cheating your own fun. Yeah, why bother playing at that point? Yeah, exactly. Just put the book down. Um, and at the same time, like, you know everything the enemy can do. So, like, you can sort of sit there and come up with, like, a cool strategy of how you're going to do it. Um, there's no there's no secrets of how things are going to turn out. It's, it's just, it's a lot of the dice rolling. Um, obviously, there's probably some strategy in there of, like, don't just keep getting attacks of opportunity on you or something. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but for the most part, yeah, it's dice rolls, making good decisions, 
uh, turn taking. Okay, so that's a pretty good overview, I think. I guess the last thing I would want to know is, it sounds like you do. Would you recommend this for you know a couple of people who are looking to play TT RPGs together, but not necessarily forming a Pathfinder group or an you know a more traditional experience? It does. It does say that it's like open to anyone. You don't have to be into tabletop to get into this, and I think that's true. The instructions are very well done. The it's a very inviting story. It's a very inviting um, experience. Like the, like I said, with like the quality of like opening the package and stuff. Like it was a, it was a very warming experience. It wasn't as much as I love getting my D and D books. It wasn't just buying a book from the store. Open like knowing that like all I'm doing is opening the book. It was a much more. It felt more personal. Just because like everything I needed to play with the person I'm playing with was just sort of there, and we got to unpack it. Yeah, was that almost a sort of mutual experience in itself, unpacking the game together? Yeah, it, it kind of was. Like it, um, like that itself was like a little bit of the excitement. Now, That's do really I cute. recommend? Do I recommend it for somebody who hasn't played? I think you're going to learn how to get into tabletop RPGs playing this, which is really cool. I don't think you're going to get the absolute maximum experience if you and someone else are playing that hasn't done TTRPG before. You're not going to be able to... And this, this may depend on the person. I think it's a lot harder to jump into that sort of role play aspect of it, um, which me and my partner were able to do straight away. Like, we were like, all right, these are our characters, like... These are yeah, characters. And, this is and their you stuff. have quite a lot of experience in that world. So, like, we had no barrier there. Whereas, I think it might lose some of its fun if you got two people that are like, I don't know if I should like get into character or do I just like say like they have all those questions about tabletop as an experience, and I think with you and someone else in like a private setting, it's a, maybe it's a bit harder to explore. Yeah, it might just become quite a crunchy experience. Because, like, which is different from other experiences, because if any other experience, it's much nicer to, like, learn with, like, maybe just one other person and sort of learn as you go. I think with TTRPGs, though, like, when it's you and three other people have done it before, like, them showing you, like, how into it they get, like, sort of gives you permission to do the same, like, subconsciously, I guess. Oh yeah, we we definitely fire each other up as we as we go, and you get so, excited. Like, Everyone at the table gets excited. Yeah, you, if you're a new person going to a table and you see all these people like exploring their characters, like getting really into it, like a side of them you haven't seen before, um, that sort of gives you permission—not permission. Permission is the wrong word, but like it allows your subconscious, I guess, to be like, "Oh, like this isn't. I don't have to feel." silly doing this which i think i think there's going to be those people like oh this this is a bit silly and i don't feel comfortable until they've sort of gotten that okay from society to be able to do it yeah i mean that happens that sort of happens in group dynamics you feel a lot more comfortable if there are a whole group around you doing something as well yeah so that that's my only thing about if you're starting it and you haven't played tabletop before but anyone who's played tabletop uh, this is just going to be a really fun time with someone you enjoy just hanging out with. 
uh, whether yeah, that be a partner or a friend. I definitely think there's um, if you've got like a cool friend that you both just well, love I don't to have any cool friends. Yeah, I know, right? Um, this is going to be a good time as well. Like, there's definitely like the two, like the background with like the two best friends that, uh, you know, kind of kill everything and be be the heroes. Um, like they've they've got sort of situation for every type of two people that you can. Yeah, sounds great. So somewhere ultimately between Sunday night board game night and Friday night D and D, this falls somewhere in that nebulous space. Yeah, I think so. Yeah, nice. Um, I hope you have fun exploring the rest of the first chapter and we can hear more about it soon. But for now, I reckon, uh, are you happy to take a break? Oh, I'd love to take a break. Welcome back, listeners. I hope uh, you had a great five seconds while we had a good uh, 15 minutes and a chuckle. We are going to do a lovely uh, hero creator. Hero? I guess like, we usually call it a hero creator. But we're creating an NPC this time. So, Ryan, tell us what you've got for us today. Uh, just speaking of heroes, I just, I just want to take, I just want to take a short moment to, um, to acknowledge the passing of Jerry Springer a few moments ago. That is <laughs> what we talked about. The <laughs> um, but in terms of the character I've prepared for you this week, so we've done heroes, we've done villains. We haven't done a recurring NPC. My favorite um, thing. Yeah, yeah. And um, I find you can never predict which of these your players are going to enjoy. They're my favorite too. I entered, I throw so many of these, alternatively referred to as just like fun little guys, right? <laughs> um, and everything I think the players will love, they completely fucking ignore. Yeah. And then. Off the top of my head, I come up with some like a fucking gnome called Sperry Jinger, and <laughs> he is a fan favorite. And I have to bring him back every week, or there'll be riots. Yeah, so it's, it's all well and good. Funny you say that. That my in our current campaign, the favorite one is like the potion guy that blows himself up all the time. <laughs> yeah, I've, you've you've told but, me a few funful stories about this guy. Yeah, I brought up like two. I'm starting ago, to like him, but like, yeah, that's that's. People love that one. Well, something I bring up virtually every episode is that I play a lot of video games. No. And um, <laughs> I, I, I inject, uh, I do inject, you know, uh, some mechanics and not directly translate video game mechanics, but like you mentioned Final Fantasy earlier, and I, I'm a big, big fan of those games. Um, or at least I was. I basically, uh, as soon as they modernized and the 3d was more than just a bunch of shitty polygons i stopped playing but old school pixel art or low poly final fantasy games are my bread and butter and i'm always looking for ways to make tabletop feel like a collaborative jrpg if i could make a fun version of final fantasy that can be played by five people at a table i would do it um and actually, a little bit of a tangent, a couple of people, some some Kickstarters launched recently actually, have been trying to do exactly that, and I'm really, really keen to check those out, and I think those will be top-of-the-table episodes in the future. But for now, the best I have is using the other thing I'm a huge fan of, which is rules. 
and uh, especially in the form of like plugins, like you get people writing manuals for, and I promise this is going somewhere. I promise we are doing a character creator, but you get people <laughs> who are writing manuals for like potion making, um, like sort of like when, when players want to make their own potions. Um, I have a player who's a, who's a pretty devout herbalist who always wants to fucking pick flowers, is always asking me what they can do with them. And so I, I don't think the rules in any that of reminds the, me of the official books D&D are good they brought out, which was just running businesses and gold management and stuff. <laughs> Acquisitions Incorporated, that one. That's that, the one. That has yeah, some that, fun that, monsters. I've never played anything apart from the monsters, but. I, I've wanted to get it just because I want to read it because I was just like, that actually sounds like something I'd really like as a player. Yeah, yeah. And, and that's actually that's actually kind of where I'm going, right? Because it almost changes the genre of the game. Um, and I like doing that. So for this for this particular player, like I'm slowly starting to introduce a number of homebrew rules um, based on based on systems other people have made and sold for Five E uh, because we're playing Five E at the moment, and um, to to let them have that experience, um, sort of in the confines of D and D. So I thought, well, what if instead of a homebrew rule set and instead of letting the players have this new skill like have potion making as a skill or have armor making as a skill or or um i have another player who is a who, who loves monster hunting as well and is like how can i skin it and turn its skin into a usable object um and everyone at the table just groans and says here we go this is the next 15 minutes of our lives that's called um, the witcher <laughs> true true and and so to make this issue even worse i thought we'll take a fun little guy and we'll make him uh, the vehicle for these mechanics. Um, so I'm taking the traveling merchant archetype and I'm taking sort of this desire to introduce new concepts and rules and that sort of thing to a game like 5e or similar. Um, and I'm thinking we have this little guy who shows up and I'm going to look, I'm going to call it now these much, much derided races uh, that people are just, I've seen people say they wish weren't in the game. Like we're talking goblins, we're talking kobolds, um, you know, the 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 funny characters. Um, we take one of those, we strap a gigantic fuck-off backpack on him, okay? And he shows up, he gives the players a quest, and in return the players receive some sort of unique item. Um, so let's say, like you said, uh, witching, monster hunting. We take that. This little guy shows up. He says, oh, fuck me. There's a, a blue dragon over there in them, their hills. If you go kill that for me, I will make you um, like a shield from the leather or something like that. And you have these, yeah. I think it's important that it's very, very specific. Uh, quest it's not just like hey uh, we killed 85 boars what can you make us it's this little guy will make you whatever he damn well pleases and you have to do what he says that's exactly the same as uh my goblin with missing fingers he's just like he doesn't make health potions he makes strange things that he finds fun See, I like that. And maybe, yeah, maybe there's some level of inspiration there from things like that. Like, I'm all about giving the players tools. Um, 
to borrow from Sea of Thieves, actually, another video game is the tools, not rules, um, I think is actually a pretty good mindset to have. So um, I don't really run games with some very rare exceptions. I don't let players ask for magical items. I don't sell magical items. I think I wonder what these idiots could do with this specific magic item and drop it into their laps that way. Um, and I feel like this little guy is that personified. Yep. I, I don't do the ask for magical items, but I'll occasionally be like uh, a merchant with these fancy things. Um, she comes from this desert town and she'll have like four things that are very specific. And if they want to buy them, they can. And if they don't, she moves on to the next town, never to be yeah, seen again. Yeah. So I feel like this is an extension of that. This is our way of taking that sort of NPC. Um, we're adding a quest element, so this could be good for down session. This could be good for, you know, say you're missing a player and you want a one-shot or something, you can have this guy turn up and say, hey, go kill this thing for me. Hey, go find this weird plant for me. Um, and they get a cute little reward at the end of it. Um, that, on another tangent, <laughs> that reminds me yeah. of um, we had a player missing and he's a he was a... Um, one of those like six or five ones that are they're constructed and they're sort of half living. It's like an awakened something. Anyway, he couldn't play that session, so they had to go find new batteries for his suit. That's beautiful. <laughs> it was such a good quest. <laughs> that reminds me of one we did actually. I I especially while we're talking about magical items, um, I like to give out spooky magical items on Halloween and Christmas well, items on Christmas. And um, we had one of those, and I've forgotten the name of the race as well. Actually, Warforged. Um, Warforged. Yes, thank you. That's it. <laughs> so we had one of those, and we did a Halloween. We did a Halloween episode. I call them episodes. Um, we did a Halloween session, um, and. I thought, look, as a funny joke, I gave the Warforged player a cassette tape that he could put into his body and play music from as sort of like a Futurama Bender-esque joke. Um, well and good. Everyone loved it. Um, that player wasn't there for that session. Yeah. Um, and the next session, or not many sessions later, uh, he changed his character. So we no longer have a Warforged. So to this day, the party have a fucking like a modern cassette tape that they <laughs> cannot use. There are no tape decks in this universe as far as they've attempted to uncover. Every now and again, they'll go through their magic item cards and be like, why do we have a cassette? That's funny. So to bring it back to our original topic, what we probably should, hey? Yeah. <laughs> it's all good. What, what evolves of this NPC over time that's sort of the vehicle for driving your things? Is it, are they just the vehicle? Like them being the vehicle for mechanics is really cool. Cause like they'll just always be in memory for the players, but like, do they uh, develop an attitude against the players? Uh, like I would definitely give them that attitude of like, Oh my God, you guys, you never want to stick to one thing. You're always picking up something new. No attention span. Back in my <laughs> like day. <laughs> Just giving them grief every time they want to learn something new. Yeah, I like that too. Uh, it's um, it's good. It's it, on a 
metatextual level yet, you're you're introducing these new rule sets and mechanics. Um, but then in universe, you have this little guy who is apparently, I guess, a jack of all trades who is doing a new thing every week. And whether or not you are, you give that attitude to him or you give that attitude to, or you let the players take that attitude. Like you have this guy who is a jack of all trade who is just like, oh, I have just the thing for that. No matter what it is. I so that's funny you say Jack of all trades because I I thought about it from like a different perspective like maybe it's like in my head it was a guy sitting in a tavern like at the front door and he's just like oh yeah I heard about that like he he's just a drunk or something that has heard of everything like and he he talks to everyone he's that he's that dad that's retired that's just like, oh, dad, can you do you know anyone that knows how to fix uh, this thing? And it's like, yeah. oh yeah, like I he know a guy lived down the street from him, like back back in this, like that that dad that knows that knows yeah. how to get yeah. something done because they just know everyone. They have a friend everywhere. They, they and their always friend have might a be friend for something. They met once, but he's yeah. their friend. Look, I don't want to say this character is Greek, but this character is Greek. <laughs> I'm that personification. Um, it's a guy. It's a it's an old man now. I'm thinking we're leaning fully into the dad, into the grandpa who knows everyone thing. You're the kids. The party is the kids. They're like we're stuck here. It's actually probably a good uh, apart from introducing new mechanics. It's probably a good way for the party to maybe get out of tr- trouble. Like if the party are really struggling with something and they can't come up with a way to fix it, uh, well, they're like, oh, what if we go see Yorgi and uh, maybe he'll have a he'll have someone who can help or something. And so maybe the players can seek him out in a sort of dad-like way, like the party's weird little dad who, like you said, just, he's got a guy. I really, really like that, that he's like, he's there for everything. At the end of the campaign, you would have, he'd have to come out as the big bad guy and just be like, Oh, don't break my heart like that. I was, I was bored. And you guys seem fun to mess with, like, not like actual evil, just like, I, I'm i a chaotic neutral person and this was such a funny thing to do over the last three years. I think that's a pretty good angle. See, the angle I was taking it was just like, maybe his advice isn't always good. Maybe his items aren't always uh, well made. But I, I certainly like the undercover big bad guy angle very much. Sometimes you got to do it. That it, it'd be so good to do, like literally over the whole campaign. They never know who this per, like this um this big bad guy is. There's just all this stuff happening, and it's the person who's been helping you all along. I feel that's a very video gamey thing as well. But I think you could really take a few players by surprise with like a nice jaw drop moment in the last session. I think so too. And it is very video gamey. Uh, I think the diversion from video games is you could have him genuinely be interested in the players succeeding. Like I like an almost paternal instinct where he was like, well, I kind of liked you guys. So I thought, I, I thought, yeah, it'd be funny. It'd be nice if I just sort of threw you guys a bone every now and then and see what you did with it. And now you're here and unfortunately I'm going to have to murder you, but it was fun. The other, you know, the other take you could do is he's a spy master for the big bad guy and He's just like, oh, I actually really like you guys. I, you know, I wanted to help you, see if you defeat him, but 
Uh, he's got my daughter captured, so I've been telling him everything you've done. <laughs> That's heartbreaking as well. That's my party responds really well to that sort of thing, where they understand that they were doing it because they were forced. Oh, yep. I think there's like plenty of ideas for a recurring character here. I really, I want to see more. Um, I see myself do more recurring people. Um, I think, I think they play like a really good way of shaping out a world. Yeah, and it's it's a good way beyond um, just plot of sort of letting your you're letting your players buy into the world because I see a lot of people lamenting the fact that players aren't listening to your you know to our law dumps and they're not reading my fucking website and they're not reading my history documents. But if you give your if you give your players a character that they can genuinely sort of interact with, um, that they almost sort of look forward to seeing the next week. Like, I, I think that's the ultimate form of buy-in for me, at least, especially if you do play. I don't even necessarily think role-play heavy, but if you do want your characters to feel like characters, I, I think if they can interact with someone and sort of believe that character's motivations, um, it's a really good way of making your players feel invested in that world, especially if, uh, like you suggested, either immediately make them evil or immediately make the big bad guy crush them into a bloody mist. Uh, if you really want your players to get fired up about your game. My other idea, now that you mentioned about Big Bad Evil, it's a guy that's in jail who just, he was like the big bad guy before the current big bad guy, but he got he got caught. And I was just I don't want to see this other big bad guy succeed. Here's all my trade oh. secrets. This is a whole rabbit hole in itself. Save this for next week. This is like Hannibal <laughs> visiting the jail to get the, the hot bad guy tips from this creepy creepy guy who's been in jail for the last 20 years who then inevitably escapes and is the trouble for the party. Oh, it was so good. Okay, well, that was a fun little creator character. Um, should we leave that one there? Yeah, that sounds good to me. Alright, well, thank you all for listening. It's been a lot of fun. Um, as usual, you can catch us on uh, Twitter at TTRPG Treasures um, and a bunch of other places. Uh, thanks. TabletopTreasuresPod.com uh, Oh, and that one too. So uh, have fun and uh, go get that treasure. <laughs>